0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What?
1: That music doesn't sound familiar for this time of day on a Friday. Holy crap, it must be me. Gary Jeff Walker in for i on 700 WLW. The third day of August, 2018. Tell you what, my wife and I got home from working at the bar last night. It was about 7.30, and I get the text from Yiddy Armbrister. Uh, Can you come in? Sloney's not feeling good. I said, oh, God, what, what now? I mean, you know, this poor guy had the back surgery a couple years ago. Then while he's in the hospital with the back surgery, he gets like a septic infection, and we don't know if Scott's going to make it or not. You know, and then he gets diagnosed with the uh, sleep apnea has a CPAP, and that makes him sick, and he misses. Apparently this time, Mr. Home Improvement, Scott the Tool Man, was hoisting a beam or something, carrying something on his shoulder, and hurt his shoulder. So our sincere prayers and thoughts with Scott Sloney and his family as he goes through yet another tough time. So my second thought was, oh, crap. I got nothing to talk about. I got nothing planned. What am I going to do? It's like 8 o'clock at night on a Thursday. i got to be up at 7 o'clock this morning, be here, and do the show. And I go through all the usual topics. Uh, those but then Mike McConnell has the guy from New Rift Distillery here in Bellevue, right next to the Barney Source. They're coming out with their first batch after four years of aging of this incredible bourbon whiskey. And Mike was kind enough to share it with some of us, including myself. So I, And I, I'm a Jack Daniels drinker, but I've got this really, really tasty bourbon whiskey on my tongue before 9 o'clock in the morning. Then I walk in the control room just before Mike was off, and I see a TV commercial because the TV's on because the producers are rarely paying attention to the shows that they're actually producing. They're watching TV, goofing off, fooling around in their, their smartphones and stuff. And uh, there's Ted Danson, who's doing Smirnoff vodka commercials now. So... I hear Mike talking about bourbon whiskey. I try some of the bourbon whiskey. Then I'm watching Ted Danson, who's hawking vodka now on TV because he can't find work anywhere else, I'm imagining. And then Mike concludes the show talking about beer and the beer fest. I'm like four sheets to the wind, and it's not even 9 o'clock in the morning, and that's just the contact buzz. So who cares about topics at that point? And by the way, Allison Wyatt makes a great wiener. Allison Wyatt, of course, from our news department, Has been grilling up leftover Queen City sausage that was in the refrigerator before it went bad. It was good. No need to waste food. And I had a jalapeno bratwurst, which was absolutely delicious. Don't ask Matt Reese, also in the news department, because apparently uh, he bit off more than he can chew. A little bit too hot for Matt's tender tongue. You know, start talking about... uh, The homeless, and I know this has been an overdone topic because it's been something that's been on our news cycle locally for a long time. Allison, you make a great wiener. You make a great wiener. Anyway, and she didn't handle the wieners. She was careful. She was very hygienic. She used tongs. We appreciate that as well. But. The homeless topic, which continues to be a topic because the city of Cincinnati continues to drag their feet on dealing with the problem of homelessness and where to put these now displaced people after they were made to move from underneath the 3rd Street overpass on down to 3rd Street in front of businesses and just being a basic eyesore. I know they're human beings. But there's no place for people taking up public land as their squatter's rights tenement. And what I was thinking about was back in the 30s and 40s, economic times were much more harsh than they are now. We had the Great Depression. At one point, what was it, 25% unemployment in America? Three-quarters of the country that's able-bodied is out of work, can't find work. So FDR resurrects all of these social programs and, and erects some of these social programs like the WPA, the Works Project Administration, also known as We Piddle Around, Because these were government jobs a lot of times where there'd be five people, four people standing around, and one person doing the actual work. Kind of like a lot of ODOT workers these days. Anyway, I was thinking about how hard the economic times were. And my grandparents that lived through the Great Depression, my parents in the tail end of that, just being born in the midst of that awful, awful economic, horrible time in America... And there were people who were homeless. Most of the time, now there were shanty towns in the major cities. I understand that. But most of the time, the homeless people were called hobos <clears throat> or bums. But the hobos in the worst economic times in the 20th century in America, much worse than they are now. They found work. They'd hop a train. They had their knapsack. Your stick in their knapsack, what do they call those things? And they traveled. They saw the country. It was kind of a bonus to be homeless back in the 30s and 40s. If you could find the right freight train, it wasn't an easy life, but they traveled. And when they said they'll work for food, they really would work for food. It wasn't just something someone put on a cardboard sign. And they occasionally would find little odd jobs, the people that had enough money, two or three dollars to give them, to get them down the line. Again, there were shanty towns. there were homeless encampments in some cities, I understand, bread lines, soup lines, and all the rest. But those were awful economic times. 2018, and I'm not just talking in the era of Trump, but the era of rabid socialism in this country that has become part of the fabric somehow of what's supposed to be a free nation. You've got all kinds of programs. You know, the stressing from homeless advocates is we don't have enough programs. That's kind of like the government saying, we have this problem. If we just throw more money at it, we can solve it. And every time they do, the problems only seem to get worse. And if they don't get worse, they don't get better. They perpetuate themselves. So we need more programs. We've got plenty of programs in this country. But getting the people to seek the help they need is sometimes a big part of the problem. And that's where the homeless advocates, I think, should come in and often do. Getting people to the right place, the right department, the right program, the right social benefit helpline, whether it be for food, for shelter, for health care, and all the rest. We have the richest poor people on the planet in the United States of America. And especially, and I'll say it, in the age of Trump. The economy is whirring along. How long that will continue? Nobody knows. Just a new unemployment r- rate today, down to 3.9% in America. Not as many jobs as they thought would be added in the month of July because businesses are ha- having a hard time finding qualified people to fill the positions which are open and opening more and more all around the country. So we have really great economic times, and yet we're mired in this homeless problem in Cincinnati. And I know there are homeless people, people who do not technically have a place to lay their head at night or a roof over their head, who do work jobs. I understand that. There are some. Plenty of mental health issues, plenty of drug problems and alcohol problems. It's all out there. But times have never been better. Let me ask you something. Would you rather have been a homeless person in America in 1936 in the wake of the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression, or now? It's more, uh, much more advantageous to be homeless now, and I think that's why the problem continues to persist. It's easy to be homeless now. As tough a life as it is, it's a lot easier than it was 80 years ago. Just like a lot of other things in this country, whether it's we're conditioned to cool air in the summer, uh, w- whatever. You pick a topic where Americans have become weaker and softer, and the homeless have joined in with the rest of society in that. It's a tough life. I wouldn't want to live it. But I know, because of a number of factors, I wouldn't have to. Not because I'm privileged, not because I'm smarter than anybody else, but I just wasn't raised that it's cool to go sleep and poop and pee on the streets. In front of God and everybody else. So the homeless people have demands. Portalettes. Well, it's better than the feces and urine running in the open streets of Cincinnati. Showers. We got to provide them showers. And what exactly is affordable housing for someone who has nothing? It's free to them, not to the rest of us. I don't have a solution. But I'm telling you, the way things have been gone about in this country for years on the subject, and especially lately in Cincinnati, they don't have any solutions either. But they better solve the problem. Not only for the rest of us, but for the homeless themselves. Because it is a health issue. It's a public safety and health issue. Having people live and urinate and defecate on the streets. Using their drugs having sex, doing all the things that humans do indoors. Only, I'm outdoors, you know, as George Thurgood once said. Gary Jeffin for Sloney today, 513 749 7000 843 2441 Mo Egger will be here about 935. Talk about Urban Meyer, a Brandon LaFell's departure from the Bengals. Football back, obviously, training camp open for the Cincinnati Bengals and around the league. We have confirmed Corey Lewandowski, a former campaign chairman, for Donald Trump, about the latest Trump rallies. God, i, I got to talk about that, too. Uh, and the Ohio 12th District race for the House of Representatives, a, con, a contested general election or special election that usually is a stronghold Republican seat. 1035 Jay Ratliff, the, the Transportation Safety Administration, TSA, is going to stop screening at smaller airports. So, if if you want to sneak a bomb... Maybe you can go to, uh, I don't know, somewhere else. And uh, right Patterson Air Force Base, there was a report of an active shooter. It it wasn't a real shooter, just a drill. And much more in your phone calls included. We'll talk to Louie and Dayton next on 700 WLW. On the jukebox at Huddles, this is what we call obligatory Steely Dan. It has to happen at least once a shift. Now we got that out of the way, Jimmy. No more Steely Dan. No, I'm kidding. Gary Jeff in for Sloney 700 WLW online, 700 WLW.com. 513 749 7000 1 843 2441. And pound 700 on ATT's a freebie. Gary Jeff Walker at 700 WLW.com to opine by email. Let's go to Louie and Dayton. Thank you for your patience, Louie. What's on your mind?
2: Oh, Cincinnati. Oh, God. Council. They're running the city worse than a, than a Chuck E. Cheese management, uh, you know, group. I, I just, I just find. No, that I, I've actually,
1: how, I've actually seen some Chuck E. Cheese that operate much better. But anyway,
2: go you, ahead. You, you know, I, I'm just so shocked that they actually are removing these homeless because initially I thought it was going to be a taste of Seattle or or smell of San Francisco <laughs> as you walk by and smell the feces and the urine. Um, having been to those cities at, at some time in the past and uh, having my olfactory nerve offended by it. Um, see, all this is basically a the ploy. Uh, these The Democrats, and I hate to be so, like, pointing my fingers all the time at the direction of the Democrats, but this is the way to maintain uh, the voting rolls, to maintain support, because you know anyone who gets a handout is going to vote Democrat, and free housing is what they mean by affordable housing, meaning that we can afford to pay for their housing. That's what it basically means. It means affordable housing, they're asking us as the taxpayers can we afford to pay for the homeless's housing? That's what that
1: means. So, and, and and their answer is, well, you want them off the streets, so why don't you do something about it? It's like, well, why is it my job to pay for someone else's housing if it's coerced at the uh, point of a gun by a government, which is know, b- basically what taxes are?
2: More or less, in a proverbial sense. And the thing is, people forget, you know, years ago, you know, Ellis Island and, and all these yeah. images in the in brain, People had social support networks of so the Catholic Church, their, their synagogues, everything else. There was no welfare. There was no—if you were on the street, they, they, they would remove you immediately. There were things called vagrancy laws. Yep. Remember those? Yep. Okay? And you know what? A lot of these homeless have psychological or psychiatric disorders, and sure. they're untreated. And when they shut down many of these psychiatric institutions, they float over onto the streets. And in Cincinnati, I'm glad that they actually are moving them. Because-
0: it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
1: CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.
2: I mean, if you've been to Seattle or San Francisco, you better have an oxygen mask. You better you better make sure that you uh, have a vomit to, a bucket to vomit in because that's what's coming to Cincinnati if they don't stop this.
1: Louie, thank you. Very very cogent thoughts, and I, I think you're right on about most of what you said. In fact, about ninety nine point nine nine nine. So you're all of it. You're right about all of it. In my opinion, let's go to Dave. Hello, Dave. You're on uh, with Gary Jeff and for Sloney on seven hundred WLW. What's up?
3: Good to hear you on this morning, buddy. Great to be here. Uh you know that last caller, I think his name was Louie, he was dead on. I think it was a she. I mean she, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, dead on. I mean that was very good call. Here, here's my thoughts and I, I will be very honest, I struggle with this whole thing. I mean I I believe in helping people. Yeah. I, I you know, I our every year our our where I work we go down and we put on a party for the people at Tender Mercies. And you could tell that they have mental issues. They, they you know, I, they're, they're just nice people. I, you know, I really struggle with this. But on the other side, was well, something that I've subscribed to pretty much most of my life, is that pain is the, still the best teacher.
1: Oh, there's, and there's no if, question. If,
3: if, and if you, and if, and if we, we take away that learning experience from somebody, they never learn. Now it seems to me that if we, and I'm not, and again I struggle with this. I want to help people that want to help themselves. I'll do anything to help people that want to help themselves. And I know some people aren't capable of it, and, and I I get that. I, I'm all for helping that that can't help themselves or that that
1: want to well, help. Well, themselves. Dave, let me put it but, bi- let me put it in biblical terms. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. But the, even the Bible. The model of Christian love, God's love, suggests that you you have to seek it before you can find it. And that's what you're talking well,
3: about. Well, yeah, I don't even want to go down that road, because, I mean, you can get people calling in and saying, you know, we got to give, 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 give. So, I mean, I, that's a, go down the the, the the Christian road, and that's a tough one for a talk radio show. I, it's my not, not tough that, for me. Well, there, you handle it, then. You're better All than right. me. So, um, my thought is this. Like Louis said, if we've got to, we've got to get them off the streets. We've got to make it somewhat uncomfortable, and maybe they just might realize that you know I need to help myself because there are people that can help themselves, but just don't want to help themselves. As long as the you're, we're putting out the bird feeder to give them free food, free everything, free this, they're never going to help themselves. But when we take it away, then maybe they'll be forced to help themselves.
1: And, and and Dave, what you're saying is all too real, and I, I will acquaint, thanks for the phone call, I will equate it with what uh, someone who told me a long time ago, and I believe it to be true. I've done a little bit of research on it. Birds, you know, they've got bird brains. They're not all that smart, right? Birds, when they have their little chicks in the nest, once the chicks are able to fly and get food on their own, If they do not move out of the nest, the bird parents purposely thread that nest with thorns to make it uncomfortable for the young ones to stay. So along the lines of what Dave said about pain being the best teacher, yeah, if birds know this about their young, why don't we know this as a society of human beings about people that need a little nudge? Need a little needle in their nest every once in a while. All right. Dane and Cheval, real quick, you got about 30 seconds. What's your idea?
4: Uh, Queensgate Correctional Facility. Move them all in there.
1: I've heard that suggested.
4: Turn it into a workhouse. Uh, get rid of the 12-step program and the preachers, uh, They've it into a workhouse. Let them drink. Let them party. Uh, they all stop. It's just like at the bar, 2.30. The
5: drinking light, smoking light goes out. They get up the next morning and work. Uh, just a suggestion, Gary Jeff Walker. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you so much. News next and why breaking news may be bad for your health. Plus, Mo Egger on the other side on 700 WLW. G.J.W. and for Scott Sloan on this Friday, August the 3rd, 2018. I can't think of a better next guest. By the way, Steve and Keith, if you want to hang on the line, we'll get to you in just a few minutes. But we have a scheduled guest, and he has a very, very busy schedule himself. So we want to get to Mo Egger. I can't think of a better guest than Mo because today is National Watermelon Day. And today is also the 69th anniversary of the forming of the National Basketball Association. August 3rd, 1949. Hey, Mo! What's going on? Heading to Bengals training camp today? Uh, no. No. <laughs> that's why, I guess that's why Rapine is down there, right?
6: Rapine is down there. Tony Pike is down there. They're practicing tonight, actually. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's an evening practice at Paul Brown Stadium. And uh, So, no, I, I'm going to pursue other activities on a
1: Friday night. Brandon LaFell's departure, is that addition by subtraction for the Bengals' offense this year, you think?
6: Well, what I like about it, it's it's, a, it's kind of a very un-Bengals-like move, um, because the Bengals always kind of side with safety and caution and reliability, and this is a little bit of a roll of the dice, because they've got a number of, of intriguing young wide receivers, all of whom... Uh, By all accounts, have had very good training camps. But, you know, look, at some point, you you, got to throw John Ross out there, a former top-ten pick. you got to throw Tyler Boyd out there, a second-round pick from a couple of years ago who had a good rookie season in 2016. They get Tyler Eifert back. You obviously cross your fingers that he's going to be able to stay healthy. I I, kind of feel like this is a move that comes with, with a lot of upside. It carries with it some risk. But but I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with rolling the dice a little bit, seeing what some of these younger guys can do. Brandon LaFell was a nice complimentary piece, but I think the hope all along has been that someone else or a, a number of guys would kind of bypass him in the pecking order, and so far in training camp, I think some guys have shown that they're going to be able to do that. Brandon LaFell requested his release, and the yep. Bengals were willing to oblige, and I think it's... I don't know if it's addition by subtraction necessarily. I do think, though... It gives other guys opportunities to have higher ceilings than Brandon LaFell ever did.
1: All right, what about – and Joe Mixon has been mentioning. They're going to integrate him more and more into this offense, and he is a man who certainly can catch a pass out of the backfield, correct?
6: Yeah, you know, I, I tend to think that when, when you when you judge the the productivity of the two main running backs this year, Giovanni Bernard and, and Joe Mixon, The best way to do that is not going to be to look at yards rushing or yards per carry. Obviously, that's going to be a big part of what the Bengals want to do. But I kind of think in an ideal world, some of their quote-unquote runs are actually going to be passes to either of those two guys. Giovanni Bernard is an accomplished pass catcher in this league. You know, 2015, he actually caught more passes in a season than Mohamed did. And Mohamed Sanu got a pretty lucrative contract that, that oh, was yeah. last year. after that last year in Cincinnati. I think it illustrates what he can do out of the backfield. And Joe Mixon, look, the, the comparison that everybody made when he was coming out of college was to Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell's a great traditional runner, but he's also a guy who can do a lot of damage catching passes. That is a big part of Joe Mixon's game. And I think it's priority number one for Bill Lazor to figure out a way to use those guys simultaneously and get as much out as you can from them not just handing them the football, but throwing it to them as well.
1: While the Bengals are beginning their spring, tra- their, their training camp, their practices, so is Ohio State, the first fall practice of the year, uh, which, by the way, is going to be closed to the public, I understand. The future of its coach unclear. The school announced yesterday that a special independent six-person group will investigate Urban Meyer's involvement in whether Zach Smith, or he knew Zach Smith was beating his wife. Now the optics are awful on this mo, but after going through Urban Meyer's contract, I mean, do you think Ohio State has the legal leverage to fire him?
6: Absolutely. If if he if he didn't report it, he's in violation of Title IX. Okay, now, now um, here,
1: here's here, you okay, you mentioned Title IX. Title IX was designed to provide equality between male and female athletes. I mean, that was the initial reason that Title IX. So so stretching Title Nine out into uh, somebody's action in their home, not in the workplace, and making the person who's directly uh, uh, responsible for that person responsible for what another employee does at home, not in the workplace, I, I think that stretches the bonds of Title Nine a little bit far. Go look at the verbiage of Title IX. Okay. Because the verbiage of Title IX, which I'm driving right now, so I don't have it in front of me,
6: uh, dictates that these these coaches are bound to report um, sexual uh, assault incidents, domestic violence incidents, basically anything that puts a a woman's well-being in jeopardy. Now, you're right. Title IX was originally... Uh, drafted to create equal opportunities in college athletics, but it has since come to basically be a way to protect uh, women from things like what Zach Smith is accused of doing. And not only could Urban Meyer be in violation of Title IX, but his wife, who works for Ohio State, could be as well.
1: All right. uh, Just the, the, the basic, and I'm not going through the meat of what Title IX says because Actually, there's not that much program, and people would not off. <laughs> but but again, the intent of Title IX, a piece of legislation included in the Education Amendments 1972 that requires schools that receive federal funds to provide girls and women with equal opportunity to compete in sports. That be, that's, like, that's like the Robert Mueller investigation was supposed to be about Russian collusion in the Trump campaign, and now it's about everything else.
6: I mean, it really <laughs> no, is. You're, 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 not, you're not wrong, no. but there are people smarter than me who, when this first came up, said that's a direct Title IX violation. It, Urban Meyer had an obligation based on his, the duties he's bound by Title IX to go to his superiors and report that someone working underneath him uh, was involved in domestic violence incidents. Maybe Title Nine shouldn't include that. Uh, I I I don't know. And 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 you're right. Again, it's about it's about it's about
1: it's about interpretation. It's about interpretation. And
6: and again, I think that's that's ultimately at the crux of all this. Number one, you got to figure out what did Urban Meyer know. Did he lie about what he knew while acting on behalf of Ohio State University? You know, he went to Big Ten Media Days last week and said that he wasn't aware of these incidents. He wasn't aware of anything besides the thing that happened in 2009, which he, of course, did everything he could to brush under the rug in a very sanctimonious way that Urban Meyer uh, speaks. So, number one, was he lying while acting on behalf of the Ohio State University? What did he know? And then uh, this six-person independent counsel, which really isn't independent because it includes three Ohio State Board of Trustees members. Yes. I have a hard time understanding how that's independent. I think they will get to the bottom of ultimately whether he violated Title IX and the terms of his contract. And if so, that's fireable. Uh, In addition to all that, I think if you're Ohio State, you have to – but th- th- there's, there's recruiting ramifications, there's uh, branding ramifications. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things here. And I think ultimately you have to ask yourself, if, if you're that institution, do, do you want the face of your school being someone who very well may have essentially enabled a woman getting beat up
1: repeatedly by her husband? So if, if, even if it's not breaking the law, it just looks so bad that they've got to do something. Well, if, if, Urban not, if Urban Meyer is not convicted in a court, he's convicted in the court of public opinion. It's just terrible optics, and we all agree. Now, I mean, if Scott Reinhart knew, and there were no police involvement, Scott Reinhart, our boss, knew that you were beating your girlfriend, which, of course, you don't do, and and he didn't report it, would he be in trouble? I mean, there's no Title IX ramifications here, so I'm just saying... How much are you responsible for another employee doing when they're off the clock and it's not? I and mean, you know what? With, with Joe Paterno and Penn State, this was happening on campus. This was something that was going on that everybody knew about on campus. I I, I think it's too tutel- with with the with the wrestling doctor. This was going on on campus with Ohio State athletes. Absolutely, there should be outrage. There should be shock. There should be prosecution where prosecution is possible. The doctor is dead, but stuff that happens off the clock, not at the workplace, has nothing to do with your football duties. I mean, I I, I just have some issues with it. I I don't think that I don't think that Zach Smith should have his job. I I think that he should be pilloried as as a. And I, I'm not a big fan of Urban Meyer. I I know that he's very sanctimonious and has worked very hard to try and maintain a squeaky clean reputation over his career although it may not be so squeaky and so clean and i judy was boring hello then judy
7: discovered chumbacasino.com
4: it's my little escape
7: now judy's the life of the party
4: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
7: whoa take it easy judy the Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious
0: prizes. ChumpaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
8: It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.
1: I understand all of that. I'm not an Ohio State fan or an apologist for Urban Meyer. I just have questions about this and how much he's liable. So if it, if it doesn't happen... Uh, on campus, Let, let's say one of his
6: players was involved in the exact same thing, and we found out that Ohio State covered it up and did nothing for it. That did nothing about it. Point taken. We would we, we would we would hold Urban Meyer uh, uh, accountable for that. We we have a number of college players and coaches who, who end up sacrificing academic opportunities, yeah. employment, uh, and and all sorts of things for things that happen off campus. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there there's the Title IX uh, yeah. obligations which he may or may not have met. And and then there's just, what do you want your university to stand for? You know, the Joe Paterno thing, you're right. Those, um, those crimes occurred on campus. At the same time, here you had someone who ultimately placed uh, the football program, the well-being of the football program, and by extension, his own self-interest ahead of the well-being of other people. If Urban Meyer did that, and you're comfortable with him being the head coach of, of that, that university's football program, well, th- then you're okay with what he did. And if, if so, I, I disagree, but, 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 but fine. To me, this is uh, about the optics and about what you want to stand for as a university
9: mm-hmm.
6: as, as much as anything. Um, he, I believe, knowingly um, tried to sweep under the rug a staff member that he brought with him to Florida yeah. repeatedly
1: beating his wife. Allegedly. All- allegedly there was least, See, there was see least, there's no there was, proof, there's no proof at this point that Urban Meyer knew. There's no proof, but
6: come on, Gary Jeff, do we really believe that if this woman told Urban Meyer's wife and she didn't tell him, Hey, Irv, you got a guy in your staff who's beating up his wife? Do we really believe that?
1: Well, and and again, you mentioned the uh the prior allegations from 2009 when Zach Smith was an assistant under Urban Meyer at Florida. So, I mean, it's not like there's no, no history there. There's no smoking guns there, obviously. I was just playing devil's advocate, Mo. I just, I just had no, some questions. No, I, I get it. No, I, look,
6: I, I get it. There's, there's murkiness to it. I, I really do get it. And, and I, 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 think, I think we need to hear from Urban Meyer. I mean, I, I, I think it, we haven't heard from him. We haven't heard his side of it. And I'm open-minded enough to at least listen to it. But I, I, I just think that strains credibility when you go, okay, uh, Courtney Smith is the woman who's married to Zach Smith, former yes. wide receivers coach. She claims that she texted uh, Urban Meyer's wife. Brett McMurphy, the reporter who wrote this story, has a copy of those texts. Those texts include photos shared by Courtney Smith All right. that I think would illustrate that she was put in harm's way. I, if, if you're going to tell me that there's no way that Urban Meyer knew, I, I just have a hard time believing that. I, I have a hard time believing that his wife would find out and not say to him, Hey, Urban, you've got a guy on your staff, a dude that you've gone out of your way to give opportunities to, who's who's putting his wife and, and children in harm's way. Now, why was he never charged? I don't know. Why didn't the police do more? I don't know. Those why are, why are these legitimate questions. Why
1: do these allegations uh, date back to 2015 and they only surface now?
6: Because a uh, a protective order was released by uh, on behalf of Courtney Smith against Zach Smith. That came to light. Brett McMurphy did the reporting on that.
1: And didn't, Mc, didn't Meyer, hold on. Didn't McMurphy also do the reporting uh, that was negative to Jim Tressel? Uh, I don't. I don't remember that. I, I don't know. I, I think that was
6: George Dorman of Sports Illustrated. Oh, George Dorman. Okay. But at the root of all this, Jim Fressel Jim Pressel didn't get in trouble because his players were getting free tattoos. He no. got in trouble because he lied to university investigators and NCAA investigators.
1: And the point, and going, uh, and going back to the point you made about Urban Meyer, if he lied, well, representing Ohio State University, then I I got it. I'm I'm completely fine with whatever they wind up doing.
6: Right. So what we need to find out is what did he know now. If Urban Meyer can prove, hey, look, I did not know, and if he can be convincing enough to 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 convince us that he did not know of this, well, okay, then I mean, I would really wonder. Then, okay, your wife knew and didn't tell you. I mean, that's almost more unforgivable.
1: But <laughs> well, what, you know, what if, as far what if, as if I'm we? Concerned. What if we actually find out that this is a money grab? On on whose behalf? I don't know, lawyers.
6: I mean, we wouldn't really even know about this unless a college football reporter did some reporting. Yeah, you're right. Uh, right. Courtney Smith didn't run to Brad McMurphy and say, you know, she's not suing the university right now. She's not suing Urban Meyer. Uh, A a protective order was released. That's a a public document. Yep. Um, The reporter... Urban Meyer did what he could to minimize that report. Sure, um, the reporter did more digging, got his hands on text messages. I haven't heard of anybody asking for money. I haven't heard of anybody lawyering up to to sue the school or sue well, Urban Meyer. And well, well, know. maybe that happens, but I, I I have a hard time thinking that right. this is a, a cash grab. I mean, I, again, at the end of the day, what, what this is about is what did Urban Meyer know? What did he do about it? And did he lie about it? Sure. And did he break uh, the, the terms of his contract by violating Title IX? I, I don't definitively know those things. Right. But I, but I could tell you how the tea leaves read. The tea leaves read to me that he lied. The tea leaves read to me that he knew. And there are people smarter than me uh, who, who follow this stuff very, very closely who will say that both he and his wife very, very possibly violated Title IX. If all those things occurred, I don't know how you can keep him as as your head football coach.
1: I, I got you. Oh, I I totally understand the optics of it and, and some of the the actual good arguments for ousting Urban Meyer at Ohio State. I, I understand that. I just have questions. Uh, well, no. and, and by the and by the way, it's 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 worth pointing out. Urban
6: Meyer isn't the only person we should be asking questions to. I mean, Courtney Smith said uh, in the interview she did with a network called Stadium that she believes all of the assistant coaches' wives know. Well, kind of need to hear from them. And, and by the way, one of those assistant coaches is currently the head coach at the University of Cincinnati. Now, those coaches don't have the firing power that Urban Meyer would have. No. But, I mean, I would be interested in, hey, did you guys know about this? And what, what did you do either from a legal standpoint or just basically an ethical standpoint? Did you try to stop this? Did you try to put an end to it? Did you go to your supervisors and say, look, I don't want to work with this guy? This isn't a guy that we need representing our football program. It's not just Urban Meyer that's got to answer questions. I think anybody who's been on the same staff as Zach Smith should, 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 should answer
1: questions about what they knew. I got you. All right. Mo, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. We went over time, but it was good good time. So uh, thanks for the info. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And the opinion. Yes, you will. 700 WLW. Yeah, talking about some powers that be before we went on the air this morning. Gary Jeff and Presloney, by the way. It's not Friday. It's kind of a light day. You know, fluffier topics. So we're talking for a half an hour about an assistant coach at Ohio State beating his wife and his boss, the head coach, being in trouble because either he knew and lied about the assistant coach beating his wife. It's been a light topic day. Well, and homeless people peeing and pooping in the streets—light topics. I love it on a Friday. Scott and Milford. Hello, you're on the air. Hey, Gary, Jeff, how are you? I'm fine. What's up?
5: Hey, um, uh, two things, real quick. Um, one is uh, if the cops had shown up at the uh, at the Myers address
1: uh, at least nine times. Not, not Myers' address. Uh, no, Zach, no, Zach Scott, Zach Scott's address.
5: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, if they showed up there at least nine times, you would think that there's a public record of that. And um, couldn't Ohio State um, do their own little homework to um, you know, you know, to find find these things out? I mean, if I go to apply for a job, we're going to do a background check. And another thing is, um, why did Urban Myers fire on, on his coach in the first place was it because of the allegations? Oh, it, was
1: a, it was a protective order. It was a protective order that was filed that, that that came to light, that came to knowledge against Zach Smith by his wife Courtney Smith. That's that's once that allegation was out there, it was public record. That's when they pulled the trigger, from my my understanding. So. That's how that happened. I appreciate the telephone call, Stephen Etna. You'll have to hang on, or, or maybe give us a, a ring back because I'd love to talk to you. And I'm sorry about Stephen Keith. We kind of got lost in the weeds there. Spousal abuse, bad optics, and possibly the uh, the firing of the head football coach of the Scarlet and Gray in Columbus. Corey Lewandowski, a Trump supporter, one time campaign manager, will join us right after news, which is now at 700 WLW. Good morning. Gary Champion for Sloaney. Last night as I arrived home after working at the bar with my wife, uh, had Fox News on and, of course, the Trump-Pennsylvania rally was on. President Trump conducting another campaign rally for Lou Barletta, who is uh, trying to upend and unseat um, Bob Casey Jr., in that Senate race. And also, there are obviously big races all over the country in 2018, the predicted blue wave of Democrats taking over the House of Representatives. In one of those tight special elections in Ohio's 12th district, Democrat Danny O'Connor, who's a recorder from Franklin County, in a tight race with the Republican nominee, State Senator uh, Troy Balderson. To talk about that and much more, Corey Lewandowski joins us. Mr. Lewandowski, how are you? I'm great, how are you today? Fantastic. I got to tell you, and I was talking with somebody else about this as i as I was watching the rally last night. I saw the rally in Tampa too uh, parts of it, unless you're a person who hates every breath that Donald Trump takes just as an objective observer, not even a, a, as a supporter. I voted for Donald Trump, and i I do support his policies, and I think that he's doing a lot of good in spite of all the economic or the political headwinds with the economy and the like. Uh, but even if you're just an objective observer, when you watch these rallies, it's amazing entertainment. I mean, talk about a guy who knows how to work a room and a big room. I To me, President Trump is like the P.T. Barnum of the modern age. The way he commands a crowd, it's amazing. Just, for, just, just like I said, objectively, not as, an, as a Trump supporter, just as an observer, I'm going, wow, this guy's great in front of people.
10: I have said many times, Barnum and Bailey's Ringling Brothers did not go out of business because they couldn't find elephants. Donald Trump is the greatest show on earth. That's the difference now, right? When you go to a Trump rally, and I've been to hundreds of them, I was with the President on Tuesday in Tampa, people go there because they don't know what the outcome is going to be. What he's going to say, it is a high energy, high octane environment. People build their days around this. It's like a, it's like the. Super Bowl and the World Series all rolled into one. People go, they tailgate beforehand. They spend their day, they wait in line, they leave their home early. They put 12 or 14 hours into going to these rallies because this president knows how to talk to the American people directly, bypassing the mainstream media and the responses, whether it was in Pennsylvania last night, and Tampa on Tuesday night, or in Columbus tomorrow night, you will see this crowd fired up agreeing with what he's saying, hanging on every word, and knowing that even though they've heard some of it before, they want to support this president and his agenda, and it's an
1: amazing sight. Well, I know what your response is probably going to be, but I'll ask anyway. This blue wave that's being predicted, and it's got historical precedent, because any time there is one party's candidate, uh, two years later in the House seats and in the Senate seats, many times the power... The balance of power shifts in the legislative branch, do you find it less likely in 2018 or more likely that the Democrats will take the House of Representatives, for example? Well, I think
10: the blue wave, which is, you know, they want to talk about, look back historically. In Barack Obama's first term, in the midterms, he lost 63 seats. Bill Clinton lost 54 seats. So there is historical precedent. George W. Bush, by and large, because of the 9-11 tragedy which had occurred, did not lose seats, actually gained seats. What we see now is 41 incumbent members of Congress from the Republican Party are retiring, and the Democrats only have to win 23 seats.
11: Twenty-three,
10: yeah. So I don't think what you're going to see is swing. You won't see that, but what you will see is a much, much tighter majority. The Republic
2: with Lucky slots you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Corey, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yep. Okay, fade it out for a second. Uh, What about the Senate? Is it possible that the Republicans could actually pick up seats in 2018 in the Senate? You'll
10: see a net gain, in my opinion, of three Republican seats in the Senate coming into the next cycle, which is a positive for this administration.
1: Will the president be campaigning? I know he's vowed to be out campaigning all across the country between now and the elections in November. Uh, Will he be campaigning for... Mr. Balderson in Ohio in the 12th district.
10: As you know, the president's coming there tomorrow to support Troy, because you have to remember, this election in Ohio is a focal point, and if the Democrats take back the 12th district in Ohio, it will be the first time since prior to Governor Kasich, who held that seat, and now Pat Tiberi's seat, that a Democrat has held that seat, so it will give them momentum. The president's coming to Delaware County to remind the people that Troy's opponent, who has been an anti-Second Amendment individual who's lied on his resume when he was an intern and said that he was a staffer, will vote in lockstep with Nancy Pelosi, and that means against the President's agenda, which was to cut taxes for middle-class Americans and grow this economy. He will vote exactly like every other Democrat in Washington did, and he will make sure that the liberal wing of the Democratic Party takes over his first vote in Washington, D.C., if he is elected, will be for Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And so if you can have Troy's opponent on, ask him two questions. Number one, who are you voting for for Speaker of the House? He won't answer that question because he doesn't want to be tied to Nancy Pelosi. Number two, would you have voted for the president's tax cuts to provide working people tax relief and businesses more economic opportunity? And his answer is going to be... I can't talk about it. This is the hummina, humina, hummina of the Democratic Party. When they know they're on the wrong side of the issue, it's hummina, hummina, hummina. I don't want to talk in hypotheticals. The bottom line is these Democratic members of Congress, and we've seen it now time and time again, they say one thing in their state, then they go to Washington, D.C., and they vote exactly the opposite. And I think the American people are smart. The people of Ohio are exceptionally smart. I know the area, I lived in Ohio for many years, I know that they're going to send the right person. They're going to send Troy to Washington to support the Trump-Pence agenda.
1: Well, he still has a slight lead in the polls, for whatever that means at this point. But we all know how polls can be wrong, don't we, Corey? Uh, District 1, Steve Shabbat against aftab Perval. And there is some more information coming about uh, coming out about uh, the Hamilton County Court uh, Cur- Clerk of Courts a- aftab Perval before uh, this election. Uh, Steve Shabbat has had a, uh, a solid hold. On this district for a long time. His opponent is a a pro-choice, i.e. pro-abortion candidate, which will not sit well in the part of District 1 that is in Warren County for certain. But uh, how do you see that one shaping up?
10: Well, I know Congressman Shabbat, don't forget, he came in the first time in the 1994 Republican Revolution. He was one of those individuals who helped change the direction of our country for the better. He has done a great job down in Cincinnati. That district has gotten tougher and tougher, but Steve is a fighter. He is going to win that district, and he's going to continue to fight for the Trump agenda. You know, Steve in Washington is one of these quiet guys who just goes about doing his business the way it's supposed to be done. He goes back to his district all the time. He delivers for the people of Cincinnati, and he's the person, though. He's not throwing bombs. He's not making all the news that some of these other congressmen make. He doesn't go on television all the time. He is a quiet killer, and I mean that in a good sense. He gets to Washington. He does his job. He works with the right people, and I have the privilege, uh, through the Mike Pence Political Action Committee, of which I'm part of, to donate money to Steve Shabbat's re-election campaign, because we need Steve back in Washington.
1: Corey Lewandowski, if you can, before we go, tell me the thing you like best about what President Trump has done since he's been in office, and maybe the biggest mistake he's made
10: the thing I like the best is easy. I like the fact that he is growing the economy. We are at historic unemployment numbers right now, 3.9% nationally. What he has done for the African American the Hispanic community, women in the workforce, has never been done before. My family has more opportunities today than they did two years ago because the economy is growing. That's number one. And he's in the process of denuclearizing the North Korean Peninsula, which makes our world a safer place. Thank you for that, Mr. President. Uh, you know where where I think, um, you know I would disagree, and I've been very public about this the beginning of this administration, on the day that he came in, we're not ready to go, and we missed opportunities. We had members of the swamp, the creatures who were part of the administration, the individuals who never were on the Trump agenda, borrowed their way in to the White House and borrowed their way in to executive agencies to stop the Trump agenda. That was the biggest mistake that was made. It's now being changed, and it's the right thing to do.
1: Do you think the hiring of Attorney General Jeff, or the appointment of Jeff Sessions was a mistake, Corey?
10: Look, I think Jeff Sessions is a good, honorable man. Uh, I saw Newt Gingrich speak last night. He said 90% of the issues as it relates to the Mueller investigation, Jeff Sessions is not recused from. Jeff Sessions needs to reengage in this issue, bring this investigation to a close, put a timeline on it, and let's get past this fake Russia hoax narrative because that's what the Attorney General should be doing.
1: Well, I can't wait for the next uh, the next Trump campaign rally that's televised because, like I said, if nothing else, and I'm a supporter of the president, it's it's great entertainment. <laughs>
10: it, look, it's it's amazing, and you can't do it justice if you're not there. So, for your listeners who might have the opportunity to go see the president tomorrow night in Delaware County, get there early. It is just because you have a ticket does not guarantee you entrance. You know, in in Tampa on Tuesday, we had 10,000 people in the building. Last night in Pennsylvania, we had 9,000 people, plus a line still outside. This venue is considerably smaller. It holds about 4,000 people. Yeah. So if you get a ticket come early. Don't bring extra clothing. Don't bring baseballs or umbrellas. It's like going through the airport. You've got to go through the magnetometers. Please respect everybody else so they can get in quickly. It promises to be a high-energy environment, and the present is just so good, it will be something you'll be able to tell your children and grandchildren about in the future.
1: And and don't shout at Jim Acosta because he does enough damage to himself by himself.
10: Look, That's a guy who, you know, you saw the press conference yesterday when he challenged Sarah Huckabee Sanders and when she outlined to Jim Costa the way she's been treated and that she's the first press secretary in the history of our country who requires secret Secret service Service protection because of the threats. Jim half-heartedly said, I'm sorry for that. He didn't apologize when they made fun of her at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. They said, that's freedom of speech. And when she pushes back, he is, you know, the, the hypocrisy of the media is what I think the American people are tired of. Just report the news and don't make the news. Jim wants to make the news. He stopped becoming an independent journalist, and now he's become a commentator.
1: There you go. Corey Lewandowski, thank you so much for your time, man. Great to talk with you. Thank you. All right. Uh, Gary Jeff in for Scott Sloan. Your phone calls and more as we continue next. Steven Etna, you want to ring back in? Now would be the time. 700-WLW. Ah, yes. Awash in the teenage wasteland of another era. Gary Jeff Walker and for Scott Sloan and 700 WLW. And this guy has got to be the most dogged, most patient listener slash caller in the history of talk radio. Or he absolutely has nothing else to do. I'm not sure. We'll find out which one. Keith in Fairfield, thank you so much for hanging on for so long. What's on your mind?
12: Well, you shame me, sir. I'm just retired.
1: Uh, oh, no, you've got something to do. You, you can call us. Yeah. We want to keep you active because, as we all know, you know my, my dad retired at the age of 72, and he's still making sales calls at the age of almost 82. He's still got three clients that he calls on, and it's good for him. It keeps him active. So if we allow you an outlet... For well, all of this energy you still have as a retired person, I'm, I'm pleased to provide that outlet for you.
12: I just hope it's going to be worthy of all this hype.
1: <laughs> Me too, actually.
12: All right, well, listen, here's the deal. Um, I'm going to try to build this case. Um, the, the problem with homelessness is multifaceted. I studied what was going on in Japan, and one of the things that they argued is what's different in Japan versus the United States is that they don't have the veterans that we do here. Oh, because the Japanese have their military protection basically covered by us. That's so, true. So you know, there's not the the, the 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 homeless problem. There isn't so much based on veterans that have been damaged mentally and physically. Right. All right. But but that's just one of the things. The other thing they argue is that in Japan, there's a higher sense of shame. Now, for a woman and children, they can't tolerate that. They think that's a shame to society, so that they'll deal with. But men, by and large, they feel that you know you guys should be able to pull it up. You should, guys should be able to put it together. But I'm looking at the problem here in Cincinnati, and I got to looking at a couple of things as I did some research into some of the players. And then most recently, when they went through this underpass to clean out the place, and they were saying, look at this, look at the shame. Look at all the stuff that's been, the way they're treating these people's possessions. Now, the people were gone, but the possessions were left behind. But I'm thinking, you know, when you look at it, it's all stuff that could be easily replaced because of other people who will give them things. I have missionaries in in Romania the deal with the gypsies that they'll give them clothes and they won't wash the clothes they figure if you gave them new clothes in the first place you'll give us more new clothes right why wash sure. so what i'm trying to drive at here is i wonder when they went through that that underpass or that first encampment after everybody cleared out do you think anybody left behind their drugs do <laughs> you think any, any <laughs> marijuana or any heroin or anything like that was left behind i mean i, I can't that's think- an
1: excellent question I mean, I'm kind of asking
12: the question, like, you know, when they investigate a case of arson, the first thing they want to know is if somebody suddenly took out a bigger policy and if suddenly some uh, possessions in the home that they were hoping would be viewed as destroyed in the fire might not be popping up someplace in an auction or in somebody else's possession.
1: Well, Keith, the the point you made about uh, the homeless leaving their possessions when they vacated uh, the property that wasn't theirs in the first place under the overpass is I did a lot of work for my landlord back a while ago and doing property management and doing evictions. And when the people who didn't pay their rent, who were evicted, left, usually they left everything, couches, TVs, and that was more work for us. So that that happens a lot of time with people who are are irresponsible. I appreciate your time, and i got to move, okay? All right, go for it. Thanks, man. Steve in Eton, Ohio. Good morning, sir, and how are you? An unexpected pleasure indeed. I am great. Uh, a
13: few things on the Urban Meyer thing that just make me really curious. Yes. Yeah. I don't absolve them in any way, shape, or manner because it, it really does look bad because it goes all the way back to Florida days. My, my question is, of all these police reports that I heard about, nine of them filed by Courtney, but she never took them to court This is a matter, therefore, of public knowledge. Any lawyer could get a hold of it. Police officers could get a hold of it. Public officials could get a hold of it. You and I can get a hold of it. Okay, so he comes to Ohio State University. He's already got a public record that's bad. Tell me, as I think uh, in your interview at 9 o'clock it came out, how many people knew about this? Uh, The president of Ohio State University... Did uh, Does he check uh, coaches when they, they come into this institution? That's a very important job. I don't care if it's an assistant coach or a head coach. Did he know? How about Gene Smith, the athletic director? Did he know? Uh, I think a whole hell of a lot of people knew. And if I were um, our our good friend Urban, I'm wondering would I take the attitude, hell, everybody knows about this. Why do I have – a responsibility to report it it's public knowledge
1: that right. this guy right. was into this stuff and i would say to you in the case of a coach like urban meyer who's so high profile and has so been so successful and going to be so beneficial to your program if you're the athletic director of the president you just take his word that the people he's bringing in with him are, are good eggs I guess. okay
13: can i say one more thing quickly sure. absolutely if this gets to a court case Here's, here's a point that I don't think anybody else has made, and I think I'm correct on this. Let's say that Urban winds up in a court of law. His wife, Shelley, who, of course, is a, uh, an employee of Ohio State University, and I do believe knew because Courtney told her what was going on with regard to Courtney's husband. Right. Uh, she can't be compelled to testify against her husband. No, that's true. And, and it, with regard to anything internal to Ohio State, if I were a lawyer, <laughs> I might raise this issue with Urban. Maybe we can get your wife to follow the to swallow the cyanide capsule because you know she is guilty of violating um, Title Nine, uh, and that'll save your ass.
1: Yeah, maybe so. What Steve, do you think, Steve? Thank you so much. Okay.
8: That's joinMIDI.com.
1: Finally Friday. Gary in for Sloaning. 700 WLW. I imagine Mr. Sloan will be back on Monday because I will be unavailable Monday. But I'm glad to be available for you today. 513-749-7000, 1-800-843-2441, 513 749 1-800-843-2441, pound 700 on AT&T is a free call. Gary Jeff Walker at 700WLW.com if you'd like to opine by email. And joining us now on the line, 700WLW Aviation Expert. If you haven't checked out the blog lately, you need to, especially after our conversation to find out more. Jay Ratliff, good morning, Jay. Good morning. Great to have you with us. Good to be here. The TSA is considering ending screening at smaller airports that have uh, 60 flights or less or 60 seats or fewer. Uh, mm-hmm. 150 airports that serve planes with 60 seats or fewer. The TSA said they would uh, passengers would still be screened before boarding the larger jets. <laughs> yep. But the terrorists could target regional planes. My first question is this. And it's kind of the concept of concealed carry when it comes to gun laws. The whole reason concealed carry works is because if you're a bad guy you don't know if the good guy has a gun or not so why would you even if you even if you roll this out why would you tell people that we we're considering limiting or stopping screening at smaller airports well
11: I mean why would you consider it in the first place at all I I agree it it is the better place to start with this but I mean even if they didn't tell anybody it wouldn't take long for there to be a social media explosion when somebody said, That's wait a minute, true. I just, I boarded a flight at city such and such and they just let me on the airplane and a quick investigation would show that, look, the TSA is not at this airport, this airport, this airport. Um, and look, from a from a resource management perspective, I get what they're saying. You have fully staffed TSA agents, officers we're supposed to call them because it makes them feel better. Um, we, we we have them working an eight-hour shift where they might have two or three flights, and that's it. And then the next shift comes in, and they might have two, three, or four flights, and that's it as well. And you have a lot of people that you're paying a lot of money to sit around and do nothing uh, while this airport, you know, operates a, a handful of flights a day. So the thought is, from a resource management perspective, let's put those people, that personnel, those expensive resources at a spot where we can better utilize them, which would be at the hubs. So the idea is you'd board a flight in Kalispell, Montana, wherever you'd fly to Denver. You'd get off the plane, be screened then so that you could then be integrated into the sterile population of the hub itself, or if Denver was your destination, you'd be allowed to just simply head for the for the exits. But from a security standpoint, it's absolutely the most ridiculous uh thing I've ever heard. I've been doing these for, what, uh, 27 years, Gary Jaffe, and this has to be, without question and out fear of successful contradiction, the dumbest idea that I've ever heard come down the pike because we've made such huge advances in security since 9-11 that to consider taking several steps back is, to me, just inconceivable.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know other than maybe from a cost-cutting standpoint. Oh, I yeah. Mean, They'd save money, sure. Yeah, they they absolutely would
11: save money. But, you know, does that mean we're going to put money over safety? Is is economics going to come before the security of the nation? Uh, And not only that, is any time that you impact commercial aviation, which is one of the reasons it's a huge target has been for decades for terrorism, it has an adverse economic impact. Sure. Uh, to the economy so you slow that down and you slow our economy down so you're going to open up the door for terrorists to go and and to make this unbelievable claim that terrorists aren't interested in a fully fueled regional jet uh, is just uh, again it's laughable because look they're not going to get into the cockpit because since 9-11 those doors are reinforced and it's a shame it took 9-11 for that to be the case because that was recommended by the NTSB for years and years and years before then. But they're not going to get in the cockpit. So so taking over an aircraft to use it as a missile not going to be the case, but you can still blow it out of the sky. And to put passengers and bags on a flight without them being screened in any way whatsoever would, would be ridiculous to consider. But, look, if Sherry and I, if my kids, my grandkids are flying – There's no way on God's green earth I'm going to get on an airplane with a bunch of unscreened passengers in today's environment. And a lot of people would feel the same way. And as a result, these airplanes at these regional airports, if the TSA pulled out, would only see a small number of passengers flying. Airlines wouldn't make money, so they would remove service from those small airports, which now the regional airports would go from a few flights a day to zero flights a day. Yeah. And there would be an impact on all of those communities across the country because of a ridiculous stupid idea that the TSA is actually considering. And before anybody says that the Donald Trump initiative, this was actually rolled out in 2010 and 11, quickly put onto the back burner then when it was realized it was probably not a real good idea, but here we are again talking about it several years later for whatever reason, I don't know. Yesterday the TSA came out, Gary Jeff, saying, look, we're not saying we're going to do it. We're just considering it. And uh, because they're already feeling the backlash from airports and airlines and pilots and flight attendants who are saying, don't you dare put us in harm's way.
1: Another quick hit here, Jay. Uh, Wednesday, a Democratic senator from, I don't know, Tammy Baldwin, and a Republican North Dakota senator, John Hoven, introduced the American Aviator Act. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is legislation that would support veterans who want the education and training to become commercial airline pilots. We have a long history of... veterans of the air force becoming commercial airline pilots do we not
11: oh we do in fact right that's where you get the hours
1: to qualify
11: it is, and that's, uh, and now that they have raised the hours of flight hours, that's that's something that is uh, even more so. But you know, right now, not a lot of people are wanting to leave the military coming into commercial aviation because when you come out of that, you're basically saying I've got to start over. Yeah, I, I may have had a 10-, 15-, 20 year career, whatever it might have to be in the military. I've earned my wings. I'm flying. I'm, I'm flying the type of aircraft I want. But now I've got to become a many times a regional airline pilot. That's sitting on the right side, which is the co pilot. I'm going to be making 19 to $22,000 a year. My work days could be 18 to 20 hours. No, you know, because if it's going to take 5, 8, 10, 12 years to move into the left seat or to work for a larger carrier, I'm simply not, in many cases, and I talk to these individuals on a weekly basis. Uh, they're, they're not going to they're not going to start over and we're seeing commercial aviation increase as far as the demand not only in the United States but worldwide and there is a huge huge shortage of pilots, so much in fact that a lot of the people in washington d c are saying we really should scale back some of the minimum flight requirements um from pilots because we're not going to be able to meet the demand, and what we'll do is we'll put them in a classroom and give them classroom hours instead of experience hours, and that'll count as the same. <laughs> No, thank you. Once again we're talking about dumbing down, scaling back the requirements for for pilots that were raised after the Colgan air crash in February of 2009 when we lost 50 lives based on, in, in some regards, inexperience of the pilots. And we, thankfully we were able to see improvements made to commercial aviation, but once again we're looking at the idea of scaling that back And that's simply something that should never be considered.
1: Well, the bill would authorize grant money through the FAA to support flight training programs for veterans who are not military pilots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't necessarily mean starting over if this bill were were put through.
6: Well, it, it will get
11: you the hours to get your foot in the door. Right. And that's the whole thing. Once you're hired by an airline, look, veteran or not, or wherever school you come from or not, Here's what you have to do. You have to start at the bottom and work your way up, and that means either you're going to be on the right side of a, of a regional airline or you might get fortunate enough to get on the right seat of a, of, a, of a larger carrier, which is probably not going to be the case because you've got people that have extensive flight hours that are already flying in commercial aviation sure. on the regional side that are trying to get on with the Delta's, United's, Americans, and they're going to get, because of their flight hours and experience, uh, the call far earlier than anybody else coming out of a flight school or something uh, through this initiative. So it's still a very, very difficult way to go. We've been talking about for years the need for raising the uh, pay for a lot of these regional pilots, but it's never been done, hasn't been done in, in years. Airlines are going to continue to say, look, we got plenty of people that are willing to work at these pathetic uh, pay levels. And as long as that's going to be the case, that's what we're going to continue to do.
1: It's always amazed me. And it's somebody's choice whether they want to fly a commercial airline jet or not, be a pilot or not. I mean, Mm -hmm. and they've got the qualifications. It's always amazed me how little these guys get paid. They've got the responsibility of this huge aircraft and all the people, you know, and and the people on the ground. It seems like the pay pay for what the responsibility and... uh, And the effort and the job is, they don't seem to jive up.
11: They don't. They're they're not even close. But, again, there's a lot of things in the wacky world of aviation that leave us scratching our heads. And, uh, you know, the the topic we led off with would certainly be uh, one of those. But, you know, as you look at aviation, it's like we wish the airlines would treat us better. But the problem is they treat us like garbage. Uh, we have to endure travel instead of enjoying it, and we still have 89% of the aircraft being filled up. If you're an airline executive, what, what incentive do you possibly have to change the way you do things? Yeah, I could provide better customer service at a cost, but why should I? Why should I even consider it? Because we're treating people like this, and they still keep coming back. So, yeah, we're not going to spend that money on anything other than, what we want to spend it on, not to try to make things better by the seats being wider, more yeah. comfortable, things like that, uh, or additional food or perks, they're not going to do it unless they have to.
1: Well, uh, what you're basically saying, while well, you're not saying it, I'm not putting these words in your mouth, but what you're basically saying is if Mike Brown can field a 3-13 and 13 team and still make money, why not?
11: Well, that's uh, the case. I, I fear 15 years from now, you and I will be talking about the good old days of air travel 15 years ago when things were so much better. That's how bad things could get. Wow.
1: Jay Ratliff, thank you so much. Check out Jay's blog, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon, man. Looking forward to it, pal. Fantastic. Have a great weekend. Uh, We'll talk to Chuck, I think, next after a break. 700 WLW. Finally Friday. Gary Jampin for Sloaning. 700 WLW. I imagine Mr. Sloan will be back on Monday because I will be unavailable Monday. But I'm glad to be available for you today. 513-749-7000, 1-800-843-2441, 513-749-7000, one 843 pound 700 on AT&T is a free call. Gary Jeff Walker at 700WLW.com if you'd like to opine by email. And joining us now on the line, 700WLW Aviation Expert. If you haven't checked out the blog lately, you need to, especially after our conversation to find out more. Jay Ratliff, good morning, Jay. Good morning. Great to have you with us. Good to be here. The TSA is considering ending screening at smaller airports that have uh, 60 flights or less or 60 seats or fewer. Uh, mm-hmm. 150 airports that serve planes with 60 seats or fewer. The TSA said they would uh, passengers would still be screened before boarding the larger jets. <laughs> yep. But the terrorists could target regional planes. My first question is this. And it's kind of the concept of concealed carry when it comes to gun laws. The whole reason concealed carry works is because if you're a bad guy, you don't know if the good guy has a gun or not. So why would you, even if you, even if you roll this out, why would you tell people that we we're considering limiting or stopping screening at smaller airports? Well, I mean,
11: why would you consider it in the first place at all? I I agree. It it is the better place to start with this. But I mean, even if they didn't tell anybody, it wouldn't take long for there to be a social media explosion when somebody said, That's wait a minute, I, just, I boarded a flight at city such and such, and they just let me on the airplane, and a quick investigation would show that, look, the TSA is not at this airport, this airport, this airport. Um, and look, from a, from a resource management perspective, I, I get what they're saying. You have fully staffed TSA agents, officers we're supposed to call them because it makes them feel better. Um, we 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 have them working an eight-hour shift where they might have two or three flights, and that's it. And then the next shift comes in, and they might have two, three, or four flights, and that's it as well. And you have a lot of people that you're paying a lot of money to sit around and do nothing, uh, while this airport, you know, operates a, a handful of flights a day. So the thought is, from a resource management perspective, let's put those people, that personnel, those expensive resources at a spot where we can better utilize them, which would be at the hubs. So the idea is you'd board a flight in Kalispell, Montana, wherever you'd fly to Denver, you'd get off the plane, be screened then, so that you could then be integrated into the sterile population of the hub itself, or if Denver was your destination, you'd be allowed to just simply head for the for the exits. But from a security standpoint, it's absolutely the most ridiculous uh, thing I've ever heard. I've been doing these for, what, uh, 27 years, Gary, Jeff? And this has to be, without question and out fear of successful contradiction, the dumbest idea that I've ever heard come down the pike because we've made such huge advances in security since 9-11 that to consider taking several steps back is, to me, just inconceivable.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't know other than maybe from a cost-cutting standpoint. Oh, yeah. They'd save money. Sure. Yeah, they they absolutely would save
11: money. But, you know, does that mean we're going to put money over safety? Is economics going to come before the security of the nation? Uh, And not only that, is any time that you impact commercial aviation, which is one of the reasons it's a huge target has been for decades for terrorism, it has an adverse economic impact. Sure. Uh, to the economy. So well, you slow well, me, that down and you slow our economy down. So you're going to open up the door for terrorists to go. And, and to make this unbelievable claim that terrorists aren't interested in a fully fueled regional jet uh, is just, uh, again, it's laughable because, look, they're not going to get into the cockpit because the, since 9 11, those doors are reinforced and it's a shame it took 911 for that to be the case because that was recommended by the NTSB for years and years and years before them but they're not going to get in the cockpit so so taking over an aircraft to use it as a missile not going to be the case but you can still blow it out of the sky and to put passengers and bags on a flight without them being screened in any way whatsoever would would be ridiculous to consider but look if Sherry and I if my kids my grandkids are flying There's no way on God's green earth I'm going to get on an airplane with a bunch of unscreened passengers in today's environment. And a lot of people would feel the same way. And as a result, these airplanes at these regional airports, if the TSA pulled out – would only see a small number of passengers flying. Airlines wouldn't make money, so they would remove service from those small airports, which now the regional airports would go from a few flights a day to zero flights a day,
9: Yeah,
11: and there would be an impact on all of those communities across the country because of a ridiculous stupid idea that the TSA is actually considering and before anybody says that the Donald Trump initiative this was actually rolled out in 2010 and 11 quickly put onto the back burner then when it was realized it was probably not a real good idea but here we are again talking about it several years later for whatever reason I don't know yesterday the TSA came out Gary Jeff saying look we're not saying we're going to do it we're just considering it And uh, because they're already feeling the backlash from airports and airlines and pilots and flight attendants who are saying, don't you dare put us in harm's way.
1: Another quick hit here, Jay. Uh, Wednesday, a Democratic senator from, I don't know, Tammy Baldwin and a Republican North Dakota senator, John Hoven, introduced the American Aviator Act. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is legislation that would support veterans who want the education and training to become commercial airline pilots. We have a long history of of veterans of the Air Force becoming commercial airline pilots, do we not?
11: Oh we do. In fact right now, that's where you get the hours
1: to qualify.
11: It is, and that's, uh, and now that they have raised the hours of flight hours, that's that's something that is uh, even more so. But you know, right now, not a lot of people are wanting to leave the military coming into commercial aviation because when you come out of that, you're basically saying I've got to start over. Yeah, I, I may have had a 10-, 15-, 20 year career, whatever it might have to be in the military. I've earned my wings. I'm flying. I'm, I'm flying the type of aircraft I want, but now I've got to become a many times a regional airline pilot. That's sitting on the right side, which is the co pilot. I'm going to be making 19 to $22,000 a year. My work days could be 18 to 20 hours. No, you know, because if it's going to take 5, 8, 10, 12 years to move into the left seat or to work for a larger carrier, I'm simply not, in many cases, and I talk to these individuals on a weekly basis. Uh, they're not gonna, they're not gonna start over. And we're seeing commercial aviation increase as far as the demand, not only in the United States, but worldwide. And there is a huge, huge shortage of pilots. So much, in fact, that a lot of the people in Washington, D.C. are saying, we really should scale back some of the minimum flight requirements, um, from pilots because we're not gonna be able to meet the demand. And what we'll do is we'll put them in a classroom and give them classroom hours instead of experience hours, and that'll count as the same. <laughs> No, thank you. Once again, we're talking about dumbing down, scaling back the requirements for, for pilots that were raised after the Colgan air crash in February of 2009 when we lost 50 lives based on, in, in some regards, inexperience of the pilots. And we, thankfully, we were able to see improvements made to commercial aviation, but once again, we're looking at the idea of scaling that back And that's simply something that should never be considered.
1: Well, the bill would authorize grant money through the FAA to support flight training programs for veterans who are not military pilots. Mm
6: -hmm. So it
1: wouldn't necessarily mean starting over if this bill were were put through.
6: Well, it, it will get you the
11: hours to get your foot in the door. Right. And that's the whole thing. Once you're hired by an airline, look, veteran or not, or wherever school you come from or not, here's what you have to do. You have to start at the bottom and work your way up. And that means either you're going to be on the right side of a Of a regional airline, or you might get fortunate enough to get on the right seat of a, of a of a larger carrier, which is probably not going to be the case because you 've got people that have extensive flight hours that are already flying in commercial aviation
9: sure.
11: on the regional side that are trying to get on with the deltas united's Americans, and they 're going to get because of their flight hours and experience uh, the call far earlier than anybody else coming out of a flight school or something uh, through this initiative so it's still a very, very difficult way to go. We've been talking about for years the need for raising the uh, pay for a lot of these regional pilots, but it's never been done, hasn't been done in, in years. Airlines are going to continue to say, look, we've got plenty of people that are willing to work at these pathetic uh, pay levels, and as long as that's going to be the case, that's what we're going to continue to do.
1: It, it's always amazed me, and it, it's somebody's choice whether they want to fly a commercial airline Jet or not, be a pilot or not, I mean, mm-hmm. and they've got the qualifications. It's always amazed me how little these guys get paid. They've got the responsibility of this huge aircraft and all the people, you know, and, and the people on the ground. It seems like the pay the pay for what the responsibility and uh, and the effort and the job is, they don't seem to jive up.
11: They don't. They're not even close, but again there's a lot of things in the wacky world of aviation that leave us scratching our heads and uh, you know the, the topic we led off with would certainly be uh, one of those but you know as you look at aviation it's like we wish the airlines would treat us better but the problem is they treat us like garbage uh, we have to endure travel instead of enjoying it and we still have 89% of the aircraft being filled up if you're an airline executive what what incentive do you possibly have to change the way you do things yeah, I could provide better customer service at a cost, but why should I? Why should I even consider it? Because we're treating people like this, and they still keep coming back. So, yeah, we're not going to spend that money on anything other than what we want to spend it on, not to try to make things better by the seats being wider, more yeah. comfortable, things like that, uh, or additional food or perks. They're not going to do it unless they have
1: to. Well, uh, what you're basically saying, while well, you're not saying it, I'm not putting these words in your mouth, but what you're basically saying is if Mike Brown can field a 3-13 and team and still make money, why not?
11: Well, uh, that's the case. I, I fear 15 years from now, you and I will be talking about the good old days of air travel 15 years ago when things were so much better. That's how bad things could get. Wow.
1: Jay Ratliff, thank you so much. Check out Jay's blog, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon, man.
11: Looking forward to it, pal.
1: Fantastic. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk to Chuck. I think next, after a break, 700-WLW. Into another hour of this Scott Sloan Show for Friday, August 3rd, 2018. 700-WLW. Gary Jeff Walker in for Sloanie today. And hopefully, God willing, Sloanie will be back on Monday for you at 9 o'clock after Mike McConnell. So, later on this hour, we've got a pair of tickets to the Bengals' home opener. Thursday night, September 13, Paul Brown Stadium facing off against division rival the Baltimore Ravens. We'll let you know when that's going to – it's going to happen within this, this hour. So that's, that's your tease because it happened literally at any time this hour. I mean, I may talk for a minute here and say, we got tickets, or I may make you wait. It's my prerogative. Jimmy Sandy was showing me a video this morning, which is on the blog, on the Gary Jeff Walker page at 700wlw.com, of someone doing very, something very stupid in nature. It happens all the time as regards to a wild animal. I'm not giving away the tickets yet. So unless you're calling to talk about something. But anyway, the discussion is all about human beings who do stupid things in nature. Let me ask you a question. The question is, if somebody breaks into your home that you did not invite there, that person ought to beware me somebody breaks in my home, that person who's broken in my home, while I'm there, they should beware Gary Jeff. Maybe should have signs in the window. Beware of Gary Jeff. Because I did not invite you into my home. Now, wild animals, like the bison or buffalo that's featured in this video on the blog, that's their home. That's where they live. They did not send you an engraved invitation. Please come here along with thousands of your other human friends in cars to violate my home, to bring your gas-pewing automobiles and the throngs and throngs of humans that you bring with you into places like the Gorge or wherever it is, Montana, the Rockies, because that's my home. And if you encounter me in my home, chances are it's not going to be a good situation for you, especially if you're teasing me or if you're entering my territorial space, invading my space. The video is pretty funny. You've got, you know, now now bullfighters, and there's a picture of the bullfighter getting gored in the bottom, in the buttocks by a bull on, on the blog page, and then you see the video. Of this person, there's a long line of cars out in the middle of the wilderness. I don't know if it's Montana or what, Montana. So there's this long line of cars, and there's a bison that crosses the road and is stopping traffic. Someone decides that it's a smart idea to get out of their car to get the bison to cross the road. Well, the bison sees the person and says, Come on, Buffalo, move! Move, move. Bison turns around. Horns, the whole thing, you know. This is like, what What would you estimate? The bison's at least as much weight as a car, most cars, two, 3,000 pounds. And you're a person. You maybe weigh 170, 180 pounds. And you're getting out of your car to basically tease the bison into leaving the human's traffic area. In the middle of his home, and the bison doesn't like it very much. Guess what they do? They they turn on you and charge at you. That's what they do. You're in their home. Why would you get out of your car? You know, it's like the swamp people. Was it on a Travel Channel? Now that's all scripted. I mean, the only thing the swamp people—only only only thing that the toothless Cajuns have to worry about in the swamp people—is that their check from Travel Channel doesn't get there on time for the last shoot. But I mean, actual people, when you see things like that, and it says, "Don't try this at home," especially you're in the home of someone else, like a wild animal. Don't try that at home. It's just not smart. Jim, you grew up by Yellowstone Park. Is that correct? That's correct. My father was the game warden in the
7: area. Eventually, he became the director of the Wyoming Game and Fish.
1: So if you encountered, say, a bear in Yellowstone Park, it wouldn't be a good idea to taunt or tease the bear, would it, Jim? It
7: could be catastrophic, yes. All wild animals, elk, bison, bear. Um, Plus, you have to remember that the ground you're walking on is one of the largest supervolcanoes in the country. So just leaving the roadside or trail, you may fall through a thin crust into boiling water.
1: Into that caldera, yeah. Yeah.
7: So I never understood the people.
1: Now, now, what did you, What kind of wildlife did you see with that kind of... What a wonderful experience to grow up by Yellowstone Park and have your father as a game owner. What kind of...
0: Did you see people doing... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VW. void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
8: It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com. That's JoinMIDI.com.
1: Stupid stuff with wild animals?
7: Um, all the time. In the 60s and 70s, the, uh, the the local dumpsters where people would take trash were open, so they would attract bears. And you would drive through Yellowstone Park and see probably 15 or 20 bears in one day. Um, and they thought maybe that was a bad idea, so they closed the dumps, put up fences around them, and tried to drive the bears up into the mountains. Uh, yes and no, that worked. For a couple of years, we didn't see any at all. You could drive through the park without seeing bears, but there were always elk and moose. The animals don't have before the introduction of the wolves, they didn't have a lot of predators either, so they would grow to be quite huge. Yeah. And people would walk up to them thinking they were tame or used to people, and they would find uh, elk horns or moose horns, you know, in their laps. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> i they're wild animals, but people think it's some kind of, training facility for wild animals and that they're somehow tame i've had tourists ask me when the deer get big enough they become elk and i just tell them yeah (laughs) it's two different species (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) you can't argue with them maybe
1: maybe those elk are part of the lgbt community and as in trans species i don't know Yeah,
7: right flying in the face of science uh, what I wanted to mention was that when you enter the park, they give you flyers, and they have the words danger in huge letters in right? front of the flyer, and they tell you to stay in your car and to stay away from animals, but some people can't stop themselves.
1: I'm afraid of squirrels. <laughs> They're coming to my, but You know why? No. Because, no. because squirrels are like evil women. They're in charge of nut control. Uh, Jim thank you very much that's some great real life experience stuff I love that I can't top that one yeah call anytime right, thank you you call anytime Randy in Pittsburgh Ohio you live by Custer State Park yeah Uh, I used to live by
5: Custer State Park out in South Dakota there in the Black Hills yeah and actually my mom retired from that park and it actually gets pretty interesting this time of the week out there because the uh Started bike rally, all the motorcycles sure. driving through the park, thinking the buffalo were going to move for them, uh-huh. revving up their motors. Yeah, and it gets,
1: it gets interesting. I mean, that's, that's a large piece of livestock right there, especially a, yep. a large piece of wild livestock. They don't care about your motorcycle. They, nope. They have no regard. Again, you're in their home, so respect their home is what I'm saying.
5: Yeah, and people for some reason think just because they're on the road that they have the right of way out there. No. No. You're in their home. They will make sure you know it too.
1: Absolutely. All right, Randy, thanks for that. And uh, one more on this. Pete in Cincinnati, hello, you're on 700 WLW with Gary Jeff. You got a story?
4: Uh, yeah, I was out there at a, uh, the other fellow, may have been the better authority on uh, Yellowstone. Yeah. But we're, I was on out there with an exhibit for three weeks. Okay. And the hotel that we stayed in was on premises, but it was like thirty miles from uh, Old Faithful, where our exhibit was. And we, you know, have to leave two hours early just in case we encountered one of those buffalo jams. Right. And um, and what had happened is people would be in their cars, and I guess they thought these things were supposedly tame or something, because some people were just actually nudging the butts of these buffalo. To get out of the way. And all that thing had to do was buckle his knees and sit on the hood to just crumple the thing. Oh. Or, you know, turn around and just totally maul the thing if they wanted to. But uh, evidently they, they have more patience than one, you know, you'd guess. I apologize for that. Oh, it's okay. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, just you sit there and you think, what are these people thinking? You know, because. I mean, they could be dead in just a minute. I mean, just all, all the thing had to do is just turn around, and because the thing was, I mean, they, this, these things are huge. If you've never seen a buffalo before, or a moose, or something like that, real up, you know, close. No, I those haven't. Are they are huge, and, and the moose. I mean, that thing is. I, I saw one of those up in Alaska when I was on that shore. I have all fifty states, and I've actually made money in all of them. So I'm Oh, to congratulations
1: you. to you on both those. Those counts. Yeah,
4: yeah. But uh, the the thing was, the, the, those damn uh, moose. I apologize. Those moose are
1: like nine feet tall. Yeah the the only moose the only moose I want to get next to is a chocolate moose.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I'm with you on that, brother. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I prefer uh, the. The all chocolate double chocolate moose tracks personally, but that's that's just me.
1: Well Pete, you mentioned buffalo jams. I wanted to play you my favorite buffalo jam right now. Bengals tickets in a few minutes not yet
9: 700
1: wlw 700 wlw.com producer jimmy sandy talking about he goes to the gorge at least two times a summer you say was it your last visit to the Gorge? Two weeks ago, Jimmy Sandy is out in nature not being stupid in nature like the people we have on my blog page at 700WLW.com confronting a 3,000-pound bison in the middle of the road. He confronts the wild, the feral Rocky Boyman on a four-wheeler. Just random. They didn't, they didn't coordinate this. They just kind of ran into each other. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. 513 749 800 843 pound 700 on at is a free call. I was thinking about being, you know, stupid in nature. Some people take the total safe path. Sterling, for example, even his pet is like the most benign, a turtle. I'm sure he, he loves very much, but <clears throat> anyway. My friend Paul and Grossbeck talking about people who are at least have some experience in nature. Well, I've been... Marlon Marlon Perkins. Yep.
5: And his uh, videos, or not videos, they were shot on film back then.
1: Mutual Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Exactly.
5: And they made it seem like they're taking these pictures from 10 feet away from these lions and rhinoceros and bison and whatever. But they were professional photographers with professional equipment, probably taken from a quarter to a half mile away. <laughs> well, because they knew not to encroach on their See, Mar-
1: Marlon Perkins was one of the smartest people on the planet.
5: Oh, that's because he had Jim do everything. Yeah, he had a wild animal <laughs> show. He had a wild animal
1: show every week for people who don't remember the mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. And here Jim wrestles the wild anaconda. It's like Mar- Marlon Perkins is in a is in an oak-paneled study filled with books. He's not getting even close. He probably wasn't even close to the projector that was showing the film, much less getting out there with the wild animals. Marlon Perkins was smart.
5: So I'm just saying, if, if people want to uh, place blame on anything, we've got to start with that show.
1: Well, and not everybody is Jim from Mutual of Omaha's Wild <laughs> Kingdom. You're right, Paul.
5: Well, Jim. Jack Hanna's pretty close. <laughs>
1: and Jack Hanna. What well, think about Steve Irvin. Steve Irwin. Yeah. The the uh the, what the crocodile hunter or whatever. Yeah. Remember him? And it, and he died. Yep, and,
5: exactly. He, from he, a sting uh, stingray. Yeah. He
1: wasn't even he wasn't even a stupid amateur. He apparently knew what he was doing. Nature can kill you. That is the point. Thanks, Paul. Patty. Hello. You're on seven hundred WLW. What's on your mind?
2: 950 pages or so of these kind of things um, are in this book that I got at the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And it's called Over the Edge Death in the Grand Canyon. And it is just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples of, um, you know, people doing exactly what you're talking about. Human,
1: human stupidity in the wild.
2: Oh, oh yeah. You know, people, um, it's incredible how many people back up, back, 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 back to take a picture. And kaboom, there they go, over the edge. And um, you know that's and stuff amazing. like that. You know they hey that Grand Canyon that river doesn't look so far away, and they walk down there and and you know there's just a, a million examples of it. It's pretty fun uh, fun to read to to uh, make sure that you don't do anything so stupid yourself.
1: Well, you know they've got that uh, they've got that platform at the Grand Canyon now that's glass, and you can <laughs> walk out. I, I'm not doing that. It's probably totally safe, but I'm not doing that. I'm with you. I respect nature. I I appreciate nature, but I am not stupid in nature. I try not to be. don't like to take those kind of risks myself. Danny and Dayton, hello. Hey, Gary, Jeff. How's yes. it going today? Doing well, hey, sir. I'll t- hey, I'll tell you what about Marlon
4: Perkins. My grandfather actually grew up with him, boyhood friends. Uh, They're along the Mississippi
6: River of Missouri, Kansas. Uh, they used to hide their fishing rods and play hooky and go fish. No and, kidding. No kidding. Yeah, and if you talk about him, actually, he used to handle uh, 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 a lot on TV in a in New York TV show. Where he was, a, like, I think, a zoo curator.
11: Right, and he almost like, died like Jack that he, Hanna he got, or something
1: like that.
6: Yeah, exactly. He got bit by like a timber,
11: timber rattler or something like that and almost died in the 50s.
1: Well, so, that, that so would he, that would drive me to an oak-paneled study, too. That's. I think that's when he went to the helicopter and hired Jim. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for that, Danny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, yeah. good personal story. Jimmy Sandy said he was uh, walking in the gorge not too long ago and comes across, what, two copperheads? And he said, you know what? We'll take another way. Uh, Pardon us. (laughs) We understand this is your space. See, that's smart. That's why you're here. That's why you're here, dude. Uh, We'll take a break and come back. News next. And still, Bengals Ravens tickets for the home season opener September 13 at PBS coming up. You're on the Scott's Loan Show. Gary Jeff filling in on 700 WLW. As you get into next week, note at 700WLW.com the summer online auction back to school version. And this is a chance for you as parents to get great deals on things to help your little humans get back to school. Again, it begins on Monday, 700WLW.com. And uh, there's also a special I Heart Radio contest coming up. A lot going on to find out more, 700WLW.com. Again, the online back-to-school live auction, online action, uh, rather, online auction starts on Monday, uh, the 6th through the 13th, just so you know. So now I have teased it, and now I will give it away but you must know the correct answer. See, people are already calling on the contest line. Got to wait till I finish my question before you buzz in, for God's sakes. For tickets to the Bengals and the Ravens, home opener. And I don't care if you're on the contest line or if you're on the regular talk line. Contest line, by the way, is 513-749-3700. Our online... A regular line, 513-749-7000, 1-800-843-2441. For tickets to see the Bengals and the Ravens in the season, regular season, home opener at Paul Brown Stadium, you must answer this question. Earlier in the program, I mentioned an important moment in American sports. If you're the first person to answer that question correctly, you will win those tickets. It was early in the program, Jimmy. You weren't paying attention. You were laughing too hard at something else. I was probably about Allison Wyatt handling our wieners. You missed it. An important moment in American sports occurred on this date. It's been almost 60 years ago. Lord, no, almost 70 years ago. Actually, if you're the first person who can tell me that, then you will win the Bengals Ravens season. I'll I'll just answer the phones. We'll see. Do you know the answer to the question?
3: Yes. Uh, Well, I don't know. Um, I'm going
1: to guess. August 3rd, what happened in professional American sports?
3: Um, I uh, I don't With Lucky Land slots, you
2: can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has
1: anyone seen the bride and groom?
7: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
8: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.
1: All right, thank you very much. Uh, Hello, you're on 700 WLW. What is your name? Jim. Jim. (laughs) What happened on this date in August 3rd, 1949? No hitter by somebody for the Reds. No, I'm sorry. I will tell you it doesn't. It doesn't involve the Reds. 700 WLW. Hello, you're on the air. Can you tell me what happened on this date in American sports? That's when the NFL was formed. No, right? correct, incorrect, incorrect. Hello, 700 WLW. you know what happened on August 3rd,
10: 1949? Um, uh, Jackie Robinson. In the, in the press
1: for baseball? <laughs> no, that, that did not happen until, I believe, that was 47, 48, something. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, no, one Jackie Robinson. Hello, who's this? Hey. Who? This is Dean. Hi, Dean. Do you know what happened August 3rd, 1949, in American sports? Uh, I started the NBA. That's right. The NBA was the National Basketball Association which was formed. I didn't have an NFL trivia question, so I figured I'd go with that, and I'd said it early in the broadcast. Would yeah. you, Dean? Is this Dean, right? Yes, Dean. Would you please hold on the line, and Jimmy will get your information, and you're going to see the Bengals and the Ravens play. How about that? That's
11: freaking awesome. Yes, it Thank is
1: freaking awesome. Hold on, Dean. Dean's on hold. He won. The NBA founded this date in 1949, almost 70 years ago today. And uh, I'm sure between now and, well, the season over, we'll have more tickets for you to see the Bengals play against the Ravens on Thursday night, September 13th at Paul Brown Stadium. So this weekend, my wife, Krista 2.0, and I are going to Hendersonville, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. In fact, I'm going to leave after the uh, Saturday morning edition tomorrow morning and uh, going down I-65 to see my parents. Uh, My mom is turning 81 today. Happy birthday, mom. And uh, so we're going for a little couple-day mini vacation, looking forward to it. The problem is, and you probably encounter this in your life all the time, you have people in your life that you'd like to get something to commemorate their birthday, to commemorate the special occasions that are, and in even, even goes into Christmas and stuff. Now, my mom still, even though she insists that we don't do Christmas presents anymore, my mom can't help herself because she's at a garage sale about every Saturday morning. She'll call me and go, uh, son, do you need so-and-so? I said, well, not really. But I got it for a dollar. Okay. But the dilemma is finding something for people who literally have everything. My parents have each other. And have for over 60 years. So that's number one on the old bucket list. But, I mean, their house is paid off. They're in pretty good financial shape as far as I know. They have all the material possessions that they can use or that they would want. And they're not that materialistic, but they have everything that they need. What do you get? someone who has everything already so that's that's the thing my wife and i were going to go out so we're not going to see him till tomorrow and yeah maybe some prior planning prior planning would be good but i'm not great at that i'm a multitasking pro- procrastinator which means i can put off a whole lot of stuff at the same time so you know i knew my mom's birthday was coming up it comes up every year same day oddly enough but I have no idea what to get her. Somebody suggested a taste of Cincinnati package. My parents tried ghetto when they were up here on a visit once. They liked it fine, but I'm not going to bring like a mom. Happy birthday. Here's a 10 pound block of Glears. They're not too wild about Cincinnati chili. So, you know, they don't really care about little roses. They got a Papa John's taken bake. that I think they go to down there where they live. So I don't know what to get my mom moms but moms has everything that's always the tough one for me well here's something you can get for a significant other who has everything Teresa how are you doing hello Gary Jeff how have you been darling how's Kristen
2: 2.0
1: everybody's good uh you wanted to wish your husband a happy birthday I do. He
2: shares a birthday with the lead singer of Collective Soul. He is 55 today. Happy birthday, Jim! Thank you for letting me do this, Gary Jeff.
1: Oh, you bet! No problem.
2: I appreciate you sharing your
1: airwaves with me, sweetheart. All right. Well, I appreciate it. It's my mom's birthday. And happy birthday.
3: birthday to your mom. I yeah. was going to
0: say.
1: 81 and that still is incredible. kicking. Let me tell you. Let me tell you this, Teresa. And, and happy birthday to your husband, Jim. Thank uh, you. Uh, my mom and dad just got back. On Wednesday night from like a six-day road trip to Iowa and Missouri to visit relatives and friends. My dad's going to be 82. My mom just turned 81. They are still, I am so fortunate, still lucky to have them still You taken, are blessed, blessed. Absolutely blessed. They're in good health, as good a health as anybody in their early 80s can be. They have their own house. They live on their own. They go on these trips all the time. So, yeah, I, mean, I mean,
2: eighty years old in their eighties and road tripping to Iowa. I mean oh, that's yeah. not, you know, just around the
1: corner. No, no, no. That's that's nothing for them. They they made trips out to California recently, so it's not a, a big deal for right? Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's so cool. And and I still feel confident in letting them drive, too. Well, that's the that's the major thing, you know, because that's very important. You know about although, the elderly
2: drivers.
1: Although my mother tends to be a bit of a lead foot. Happy birthday oh. to husband Jim, Teresa. Thank you. That's that, Teresa. Joe White Oak, hello. How, are you, how, how are you doing? Hey, I'm fine, thanks. How are you, Derek Jeff? I'm great. Speaking of birthdays, I turn 60 tomorrow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm
3: doing a little something for the homeless. But nevertheless, I have the perfect
6: gift for someone that has everything. Yes. And that is
7: penicillin.
1: Oh, where's a rim shot when you need one? Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. With that, we'll uh, take a break and come back. (laughs) Coming up on a quarter till 700 WLW. Someday, but my birthday is tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday. 55?
3: 55, and believe it or not, I share it with Barack Obama. I'm not thrilled with that, but.
1: Hey, I mean, you can't, you can't. Well, some people say you can choose when you're born. And the people uh-huh. you're born to, but I don't know. August no, 4th, know 19, 1961 is Barack Obama. Now, Barack is a little bit older than you.
3: He's just, just barely older than me. Yeah. Probably smarter, but I'm not sure sometimes.
1: Yeah, there you go. Well, happy birthday, man. All
3: right.
5: Uh, thanks. Have a good day, I Andrew. Thanks.
1: All right. Thank you. Is breaking news bad for your health? According to... The Pew Research Center, in a survey released a couple months ago, close to 7 in 10 Americans said they felt worn out by the amount of news that's available. We have more news sources than ever. Whether you want to call it fake news or real news or what, we have so many places online and in media to get information, it can be a little nuts. We always talk about the the 24 seven news cycle, sometimes it's like eight, eight hours in in one day. And the news just flips over like this because of social media, we have more access to more stories. I mean, in, in the back in the day, as the old codgers say, when your source were print news and maybe three TV stations, it might take 3 or 4 door, uh 3 or 4 days for a story somewhere else in San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York to get to us in Cincinnati and even then it might not even get to us because hey it's old news by then and it happened somewhere else now if it happens anywhere in the world it's breaking news and whether you're talking about CNN MSNBC Fox Even the local stations, they all have breaking news. Republicans and right-leaning Americans, in fact, reported feeling overwhelmed by news in this Pew study. Three-quarters of Republicans versus six and ten Democrats. Since 2006, the American Psychology Association has regularly surveyed Americans on stress, generally finding that money, work, and the economy were very or somewhat significant sources of stress. For the first 10 years of this study, the surveys found stress levels were decreasing according to Stress in America Coping with Change. The latter half of 2016, early 2017, that, that trend began to change direction. And people are probably blaming Donald Trump for that, too. Uh, is too much news bad for your health? Now, we're in August now. August is happiness home, uh, happiness happens month. If you truly want to be happy, you should consider cutting back on your news consumption. Perhaps. Pamela Gail Johnson is a woman who founded the secret society of happy people in 19. 19- I bet she's a, a joy to talk to. We tried to get her for the show, but no, um, but is breaking news bad for your health? You know, it's on so much. You see that banner and the special music they have, the special breaking news music they owe, the stager they always have when you're watching TV or something. Breaking news! I like looking and go, yeah, right. What is it this time? I'm not stressed out. I'm just nonplussed by breaking news anymore because everything is breaking news. This FOMO and the, the fear of missing out garbage because you've got to know everything at all times you know, in real time, I hear breaking news anymore and I don't break a sweat. I won't, I won't even crane my neck or turn up the volume to hear what the breaking news is anymore. I'm desensitized to breaking news. It's doing nothing to harm my health, Jimmy, because I don't care anymore. You know what I mean? When Fiona's first words were breaking news, no, I don't care. Stephen Norwood. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Good.
10: What's I up? Down, I was downtown earlier while I was sitting down on 3rd Street, just sitting there, and uh, I watched these homeless guys pee on the wall, and I took pictures of them. I called the cops, and the cops come down there, and I showed them the pictures, and they said that they couldn't do nothing about it
5: because they didn't see them do it.
1: Well, I, I, you see, that that's sadly putting the police in. When they've got a lot of other things they've got to deal with, putting them in charge of uh, urine police, Yeah, I mean, the problem is not with what the cops can or can't do. It's a problem that we've got to do something about this homeless problem, and simply moving them around is not the answer. I don't have the answer. I wish I did. Tanya in Lawrenceburg, you got a birthday gift suggestion for my mom?
2: Yeah, absolutely. When you have everything in the world, then you should give to people who don't. So how about giving to their favorite charity in their name?
1: That's not a bad idea. They're real active in their church.
2: Yeah, there you go. Um, You can always do something.
1: I can donate in my mom's name.
2: Yes, that's a a, a great uh, birthday gift. She would probably really appreciate that, thinking that you really thought outside the box with that. All right,
1: Tanya, thank you. You're welcome. That's an excellent suggestion. I didn't think about that. Bob in Liberty Township, hello, you're on 700 WLW.
4: Hey, my parents live in Hendersonville. Also, they're ninety and eighty-four, and uh, what they like to do is take them out for an evening at the Opryland Hotel for dinner. About seven restaurants inside. They have a lazy boat river inside, and then you can go out to the Ryman Auditorium for the Grand Ole Opry. They have two showings on Saturday evening.
1: Unfortunately, I I know about all of this, and I don't think I think it's too late to get tickets to the Opry. Probably not. All right, all right, Bob. <clears throat> Bob, thank you very much. And, by the way, I love the Opryland Hotel. It's a Gaylord, but it's beautiful. If you've never been to Nashville, there in Briley Parkway, and seen the inside of the Opryland Gaylord Hotel, the Cascades, it's a walkway that goes all the way through the center of the hotel. Very, very cool. All right, one last. David, hello. Yes. 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 I got seconds. Go ahead.
10: A family photo
1: of your family, current one
10: to your mother.
1: All right. And, and word to your mother, too. Willie is up right after Red's roundup among his guest, Amy Murray, Cincinnati City Councilman, on the homeless issue. The lawsuit's been filed now. There's trouble, and I'll talk to you tomorrow morning here on 700 WLW.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've
1: gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office.